I'm often asked, who is your greatest guest? And I don't know. It's an impossible question, really, when you think about it. I mean, um, how, what scale would you possibly use that could apply to giving you the answer to whether Orson Welles was a better guest than Alfred Hitchcock, or if uh, Groucho was a better guest than Jack Benny? Uh, it's just, um, they aren't comparable, I guess is the thing you finally have to say. Uh, but I know one thing that was known for sure. The common wisdom was that no one will ever get Katharine Hepburn in front of a television camera. And it was, it was, uh, it was gospel. Um, her privacy over the years, when as she said she was living a life that gossip columnists would have loved to know about in Hollywood, uh, her privacy was practically enforced by the military. Uh, it, it was total. So forget about it was the word used when everyone thought of getting this K.H. from Hartford uh, for a show. Um, getting her was really a kind of miracle. I still don't know for sure. I know that Irene Selznick, her, her great friend, Irene Mayer Selznick, and Lauren Bacall had urged her to do it. To this day, I do not know if she ever saw me on television or not. Um, but I did get her, and Barbara Walters has a kind of strained look when she speaks to me still. But uh, it was a challenge, and Hepburn likes a challenge, and she likes something new, and she likes to conquer things. And that and all those other elements, I guess, added up to it. Shall I shut up now so you can just sit back and be dazzled? Hi, I'm Dick Cavett. One of the facts of life of doing a talk show is that some of the most interesting people in the world won't do them. One of them is Katherine Hepburn. She has uh, spent most of her life avoiding the press, and I wish I had a nickel for every time someone has said, wouldn't it be wonderful just to be able to sit and listen to that woman talk? Well, one afternoon recently, never having been on television, she agreed to come into my studio for a test only, to check things out, see how it looked and felt. She checked the cameras, the lights, these chairs, the temperature in the studio. She pronounced the carpet ugly. And then she surprised me by suddenly saying, why don't we just go ahead and do it now? And we did. There was no audience. The laughter you'll hear is from a few lucky staff members and musicians who wandered into the empty theater and were delighted to see who was sitting here. At the beginning, the first thing you will see is some tape she allowed us to show that was made when she didn't even know the cameras were rolling. So when we come back, you will get a rare behind-the-scenes view of Katherine Hepburn making up her mind. Join us. Is that going to be with me? I can put my glass of water and the grease in that. Mmm. Yes, I can't remember which direction. I go one particular direction. Yes. That's the way you're going to go. Well, you look you look nice. What? Yes. We go all right. Yes. You do. No, I think I go the other way. God, are we glued here? We glued here. It's a little heavy. And is can't we have a stationary table? Can we have a table that's 
John? Nobody answers Can in we get this a business. table with um, that doesn't wobble here? Sure. Right now? Like a, yeah, nail it down. Like a butterfly. Nail it uh, Mickey. down. What if you want to get up and dance? What? You may want to get up and move and move the table aside. No, I wouldn't move, the table, aside. No, wouldn't move the table aside. I want to put my feet on it. Yeah, it's a hell of a good idea. You know, this is, haven't you got something we can put our feet on? Some... Switch the other one. Okay. This is a little solider. Move it out. Move it out. Just put this out here. I have a card. I've been in the business so long. I don't want any complaints from the unions. Is that one wrong? I'm an honorary member. That's right, you are. Uh, yeah, this is heavier. That's better and better for feet, I think. Is this all yours? Yeah, well, I, I just want you to show you this is what it would look like sitting there. Yes, that's better. That's all right. That's correct. Yeah. We should have thought of this before. Where were you when I needed you? Well, that carpet. If anybody can survive that carpet. You can. We're doing well. <laughs> and I personally am going to dye it by tomorrow morning, I can tell you that. <laughs> Gee whiz. Couldn't we um, perhaps uh, spray it a little blue or uh, gray, maybe? Or oh, put a rug over it. Put or bring one. An actual carpet. Whose idea like? was that? What color would you like? Well, I'd like no color. Just go into the nothing. Let us be the color. God knows I'm red enough in the face to but I clash with that. Tell you someone shows up in the shop. <laughs> the carpet. Once is too much. <coughs> Put something over it, you know, I mean so that we're carpet. all one color, dark brown. Something like and this. And paint this dark brown. <laughs> Don't laugh. No, it's true. Because I can do it. <laughs> it does. I'll just have that here. A rose? Well, like come a, and give it a pull. Can we know? have a mirror? Cash. No. Oh, oh, no. Never, never face the truth. Not when you've gotten this far. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Oh, forget it. <laughs> oh, yes. I've been on your dressing table, and I know every habit. Oh, God. <laughs> See, I selected those pictures for you in the mirror. Which one? Oh, I never saw the picture. I oh. just see the bottles. I know all your problems, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> we'll have a long oh, talk. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, I'll pretend that I share that. It'll be loose. Loose. And half falling down, yeah. you know, and then I'll move it around. Okay. What? Don't tell me what's wrong. Just fix it. Haven't we got a rug that they could put over this thing? How about a drop cloth? <laughs> you haven't got a goddamn thing yet. I want to tell you. John Golden had a great big office here, you see. Where was it? <clears throat> right up where you are. Yeah. And I think, or else at the front, uh, at the front of the theater. Yeah. And there was never any room for the actors, and there still isn't. I'll get made up at home. Because well, at least I'm used to running water. Didn't they? Some... <laughs> but you're in the green room. Was it Belasco who had a big office up in the flies somewhere or something, and used to watch the actors yes, in his office? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where was that? Is that still there? Belasco. Yeah. Theater. Then what's the one that Debbie C. Fields was in? That's the. Uh... I don't know. 
Amsterdam Roof or something like that. The Amsterdam. No, I don't know like that. A, I know Hopkins. But this theater was the scene of a... Why don't they just start? Have they started? Uh, well, well, they're... Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll be back after this message with Catherine Hepburn. Stay with us. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We'll have it. We can have an orchestra here. Let's just sit here and talk. Okay. <laughs> That's what. I feel awful about putting you through this whole thing because um, I know it uh, violates your principles in some sense, and I feel guilty about Which that. Which principle? Well, uh, I guess the principle of not making a ludicrous spectacle of yourself in public. <laughs> oh my God! And, Pardon uh, me. <laughs> and I hope you're not. Hope you're not planning to do Is anything like that. Is that what you're like looking that. forward to? That's what I kind of hope. That's what I you're liable do. to get. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I, uh, then I would. Well, my only experience in this theater, I made a ludicrous spectacle of myself. I played about forty odd years ago through this theater not in this theater. They wouldn't even take me in this theater. I had to fly out to Minneapolis to join a company of the Night Hostess, which was being produced by John Golden and uh, Winchell Smith. And Winchell Smith lived in Farmington, Connecticut. Yeah. And I'd been fired out of the only job I had been offered. And he gave me a walk-on as a hostess in a thing called Night Hostess. The title and I gave the worst performance that has ever been seen, because I was supposed to be a wicked fascinator, and yeah. I wasn't very wicked, and I hadn't learned how to be a fascinator. I never did learn how to be a, that kind of a fascinator. The title sounds very racy. Was it really a, a play that would raise eyebrows Well, it was today? Phil Dunning and, and Winchell Smith. Yes, it was calculated to raise the eyebrows, and yeah. I don't think it raised them enough. So it sat down. I don't think it ever came to New York. I got a better job, and I yeah. flew back in from Minneapolis, deciding that I wasn't going to succeed that way. You said you were fired, though. I can't imagine anybody having the name. No, 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 no. I was fired from another thing. Yeah, but why? Because I, I wasn't very good. Oh, <laughs> is that the only reason? Yes, well, that's usually the reason you're fired. Yeah. I found out. I used to think it would be nice to know why you were fired. And somebody told me once, and I've decided it's much better to feel that you were put upon when mm -hmm. you were fired. Is that what you tell yourself in order to keep going? No, I told, that's what I always told myself. Well, yeah. I told myself the same thing a few months ago when I was fired, but I've been constantly fired. And you've been on this very so stage. So I would appreciate it if you'd fire me now. <laughs> no, no, you would <laughs> never come back. Oh, yeah, I can arrange something. Well, if you make a No, I had a very funny experience, actually. <clears throat> I came here to this particular theater from playing the leading part in a thing called the Big Pond. Do you want to hear the story yeah, the of my life? I presume that's, that's why I'm here. Sure, as long as I'm here. The story of my life. So uh, I went out to Great Neck to play in the, in the Big Pond, and I had started out as an understudy, and I was always a pretty good flash actor. I could read a part without knowing what I was doing better yeah. than anyone in the whole world. Really? I mean, I could laugh and cry, and I could always get the part. First time. First time. Never could keep it. They got on to me after a while. I I'd understand lose my that. voice, fall down, get red in the face, talk too fast, and couldn't act when <laughs> they were all sitting out there. Just petrified me. I understand that. Uh, you know, you know that I acted. And a then bit. I love these terrible situations. You see that I'm in now. 
Wondering how I'm going to escape. It's the sort of criminal instinct or something. Yeah, it's a challenge for you, I know. And, but, uh, it's I, a challenge. I would bet that you've had a bad dream about how this would go in the last couple of nights. Literally. No, no, I've had a bad dream my whole life about everything and, and how everything would go. <laughs> and it's turned out to be a bad dream. And this is only part of it. <laughs> this is the end. Can you, remember your, can you remember your dressing room in this theater? And did they have this carpet and these walls? You mean, can I remember your dressing room in this theater? Because that's what I was I've hoping you weren't going to mention that. Well, yeah. my dressing room in this theater, I had a dressing room. I never had any dressing room in this theater because I never played in it. But I had a dressing room with a man named Alfred Deleagro, who became a very well-known producer. Right. And he and I shared a, bath, uh, shared a bathroom. We had no bathroom. Shared a, shared a dressing yeah. room at the Maxine Elliott Theater, which was, I think, on 38th or 9th Street. 38th, 30, 41st Street, now torn down. Yeah. Wonderful theater, and we were up on the fifth floor together. And uh, I was on when he was off, and vice versa. <laughs> So we had a great time. And you share, did you also share an apartment? Uh, no, 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 we didn't. We didn't that share. Would work, no, no, that would have looked badly in those days, but this was accepted. <laughs> and uh, well, I, didn't mean I was quiet out of that show. Well, what did you mean? <laughs> I, I meant ever. I mean, you know, sometimes people. With anyone? Some, well, you, you suggested. Yes, I share, I've shared apartments with people. <clears throat> I wasn't prime probing. I'm sorry. I, I don't I, understand the question, Mr. Cavett. You, okay, let me, let me Have you ever shared an apartment? What would you mean? Well, what would uh, I mean? I mean? Well, since you said yes, I'll say yes, too. Yes, well, we leave it with the usual sort of... Okay. <laughs> take it any way you like it. But anyway, I played... You, you keep interrupting the long story of my life. If you just shut up, <laughs> I'd be able to... Um, I won't speak again for the you next You never hour. listen. Oh, that'll be the day. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, that'll be the night. <laughs> but anyway, wh which story do you want to hear? Anything at all. I think, I think the... All right. uh, well, now, I'll tell you the story about the big pond, because okay. this was very profound, and this was my start in life. Uh, I went into this show as an understudy, and I had worked two weeks for a man named Edwin Knopf, who's the brother of Alfred Knopf, and a very sweet and distinguished man who gave me my first job after I graduated from Bryn Mawr. And he said, write me a letter, and uh, I will tell you whether we can use you or not. So my father said, never write, go, and appear in person. So I went down to Baltimore, and I appeared. I didn't even know there was a stage door in the theater. Mm -hmm. And I went in, and I sat down, and I watched the rehearsal. It was a very distinguished company. Mary Boland, Elliot Cabot, Kenneth McGowan, uh, you know, a, a really good company, and they were doing a thing called the Tsarina the following week. And nobody told me to leave, so I sat down in the audience, and I waited and waited and waited, and finally, five hours passed, and I nearly died. I got excited. I had to go to the John. It was pitch dark. I felt my <laughs> way around trying to find a ladies' room. Finally did. Came back, sat down. And Eddie Knopf was always sitting right up in the front of the audience watching this dress rehearsal. And finally just walked by me and said, report for rehearsal Monday. And that's how you got That's it? how I got my job. Is that the, so I that didn't say how much or anything. So I got my job in the, and was given a nice little part in the Tsarina. Uh, went for the costume thing at the end of the week. Mm -hmm. And they said, come at 10 to pick your costume. So I got there at quarter of 10. I thought, boy, I'm being smart. 
all the girls were there. All the good clothes were gone. And it was, uh, you know, sort of bouffant skirts. Yeah. And I was a lady in mating. <laughs> lady in mating. <laughs> See, I'm a bit nervous. Do you believe a lady, in... You believe a lady in, in waiting. <laughs> Do I believe in... You couldn't keep quiet. I know. No, you I know. I was going <laughs> You just had to interfere. I was going to ask interfere. you believed in Freudian slips when you said that. But go, carry on. Yes, I do. You were a lady in waiting and... Freudian slips. Well, uh, there was no Freudian slip for me that wasn't this short. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> so... Um, <clears throat> A little girl in the company came up to me and she said, Catherine, I got here at nine o'clock yeah. and I have the best costume and I think you're someday going to be a big star and I'm going to get married in two weeks and I want you to take my costume because the one you have looks silly on you. And I nearly fainted and I looked at her and I thought, if you have any character, you'll say you're terribly sweet, but I can't do it. But I didn't. I said, do you mean that? She said, yes. I said, thank you very much. Let me try it on. And I took it. Who was that woman? I don't know. What a great story. Isn't that a wonderful story? And to this day, you don't Well, know to her. this day, see, people have been terribly sweet to me. Yeah. But that was really kind. Because yeah. I was stuck with something that I had a long, scrawny neck then, right. still worse now <laughs> and uh, uh you know i was tall and i looked like a perfect fool and i could have tried to fix it up yeah. but i couldn't and i got very good notices in a small part then i had to play something like the night hostess in a thing um torchbearers uh played a you know a wicked woman mm -hmm. and was a big flop and uh thought better go and learn to talk because I would get so excited that my voice would shoot way up in the top of my head, and I wouldn't know what I could do. I could start, but I couldn't. <laughs> it just went up, 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 you know, and I'd lost total control. And with one ounce of encouragement from the audience, I talked so fast that nobody could understand a word I said. Well, when was it you actually studied acting? Then? I never studied acting. <laughs> never? Well, I studied with quite a number of people. I studied with Francis Robinson Duff, in New York, I studied voice, and you used to blow a candle out, so you'd have the, and feel her diaphragm go in, and I never understood a word of it. I'd blow, and I was so excited, I'd blow from here, yeah. and I'd lose my voice every time I played, because I was petrified. I did too. And I kept, well, I can help you, I could see that by your dressing table. <laughs> I have a feeling we're so going to get around to this. All the tragic remedies of the actor's big <laughs> right. worry, you know, which is, oh, can I talk? My voice. Yeah. <laughs> can I walk? Exactly. Can I move? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I've gotten to the can I move in real life stage. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that fear. And it's amazing how grateful you are if you can just do what you're supposed to do. Just the minimum things, move, talk, and walk. Well, move, talk, and yeah, walk, or breathe. But I, and the trouble is you can't breathe, you know. And, and this would uh, uh, terrify me. Well, I went, to, I decided I would study with Francis Robinson Duff. And my father, who had no interest at all in a theatrical career, he said, you're awful good off the tee at golf because people are watching you. So yeah. you show off. But you're, you're no good up near the green because the audience is gone. And I said, well, Daddy, I don't think this is that. And uh, he said, well, he said, it's one step from the streets, as far as I'm concerned. And he said, it's an unhealthy profession. So when I took this job, I had no money. So when I wanted to have lessons, I had no money. 
And they were, you know, it was about 10 bucks an hour or something like that. It was quite expensive, Frances Duff. She was the best teacher there was. And uh, so I wrote Dad and said, would you back me in lessons? And uh, he wrote me and said um, that he was making a certain amount of money winning bets on the golf course. And he considered that that was bad money. So he'd send it to me. Oh, that's to my lessons. Yeah. And he didn't try to discourage you because the business was uh, immoral? Uh, he seemed well, to think he didn't, it was. Well, he didn't certainly encourage me. He didn't yeah. say, honey, I think you're going to be a great star. You think I think mother was glad to see me do something rather than marry. Yeah. She was a real <laughs> feminist, and she thought, you know, move yeah. on. Well, did she actually carry placards and get arrested and all yes, those yes. things? That's how I picture yes, her from what yes, I've read. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, have, you, uh, have you been... In, Encouraged by the women's movement to get out on the streets and uh, carry the signs? No, because we did that, you know, a very, very long time ago. Yeah. And uh, it, I, th I think that is a, a strange situation because women and men simply are not the same. Mm -hmm. They're just not the same. Yeah. And uh, women, unfortunately, have to bear the children. Yeah. And what are you going to do with them? And I think they're, they're men who are all the same, and all, well. And uh, <laughs> then there are, there are uh, women like me yeah. who have lived like men. Knew what you wanted. Well, I knew that it. I was brought up in a big family, and I was brought up great, just yeah. brought up great. I had a fascinating mother, yeah. a fascinating father, and a wonderful childhood. How I really did. And I have a wonderful family now, and I have my roots in the same place that I was brought up, and I'm extraordinarily lucky, you know, and that's just luck. It's just it? luck. It's just luck. That's the thing about you, you know. I have a feeling that millions of people think the following about you. She knows how she wants to live her life. She succeeded at it. It's all worked out. She got what she wanted, and they feel that you probably have some guiding principles, some secret, that if only they knew them, they could be as successful and, and as content as you seem to be. Uh, but you say it's luck, that there aren't two or three rules. No, I, or... well, I think it's in the first place, it's lucky if you have an intelligent and brilliant and inspiring father and mother. Yeah. And it's lucky if you've uh, had experiences before the age of 15, which, treat you, which teach you, excuse me, which teach you not to be afraid because fear Mm -hmm. is what we all suffer from. I mean, fear is what you and I suffer from, trying to be fascinating, which is an asinine position to be in, you know, really. <laughs> Here I am, and aren't I great department, and it's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you're never sure that you can do it. But if, if, you're, if you have been taught basic freedom from fear and a basic um, uh, belief in what you're doing that is sufficient to carry you when uh, everyone in his uncle thinks you're wrong yeah. and you still think, well, God damn it, I don't think I'm wrong. I think I'm right and I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Or if you're, you know, sort of uh, inspired by something, for instance, doing this. Now, I disapprove of doing this. I think the story yeah. of my life is, uh, you know, I, I, how the hell could I tell the story of my life? I can't tell you the things that wouldn't think of it, that have made me do this or this or this at certain periods, mm -hmm. uh, 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 because then I would be 
fixing it so that you knew my secret. Yeah. And my secret is what pushes me on, and each one of us has a secret, you know, and you go to Montauk and you try to rebuild your secret, and I yeah. go to the mouth of the Connecticut River in my childhood, and, and I try to rebuild mine, all to give us confidence to, to push on. Mm -hmm. Now, I say lucky because I was born with um, energy. Uh, I was, uh, I uh, was lucky to be born uh, uh, with a combination of qualities that were apparently interesting in the early 30s when I began to sort of look around and be noticed. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, even before that, uh, you know, when I was a kid in a golf tournament and I sunburned a lot and got blisters and I had to have two caddies, one to carry an umbrella, and I, you know, I'd get the headline on the sport page, Hartford youngster. Do you know what I mean? I was just lucky mm -hmm. to apparently be colorful. And you have this thing about being able to conquer fear. Do, do you have a lot of fear, though? Does it scare you to start yes, a new place? Yes, I think, it, it, I think it, starts, it, it terrifies anybody who's intelligent to do anything. Mm -hmm. I think I've been absolutely petrified all my life, and as I'm totally one track, I look yeah. at the thing and just hope I'm going to drop dead before it happens. <laughs> How I ever opened in Coco, I don't know. And in the late, yeah. in 1933, which I uh, came back to kind of punish myself because I have a sort of Puritan streak and think, uh, you know, if it hurts, it's doing you good, or sure. if it's hard, it's better for your character, or some cuckoo thing. Bill's character. Bill's character, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I had hit it lucky in the movies, and I had a wonderful part, a wonderful director, and an angel, Jack Barrymore, who just would push me toward the camera in a part that everybody had made a hit in. I was just lucky, you know. I mean, how the hell can you call it anything else? Yeah. A lot of people will be damn glad to know that you've been afraid of things because they, you sometimes oh, well, give the impression... Well, I think the whole human race is petrified. Yeah. I'm a good cover-upper. <laughs> <laughs> we have to take a message and we'll be right back. I keep... Um, I, I should tell this, I suppose. When I talked to you on the phone the other day, you suggested that I... Uh, take a boat into New York, because I was out of town. Yeah. And you said, because there's always the chance you'll drown. <laughs> and I, I knew you didn't really, really want to go on television like that. And then you said, if uh, then there's a chance that you would be killed, and then I could get a lot of people together to say how sweet you are. Yes, you why don't would... you just say how sweet I am? <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to say it, and I'm... I'll... I'm here, but I'm liable to drop dead any minute. So keep going. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it in writing, if you'd like that. But I know that one of the reasons you were willing to put yourself through it was the American Film Theater, AFT, I guess people are going to call it. Yeah. And I happen to know that you did a, a movie for them, and that this is a revolutionary idea, really, uh, that a man named Eli Landau seems to have dreamed up. Yeah. And people, stop me if I'm wrong, people all around the country will get a chance to subscribe in 400, I think there are... 500 theaters, 400 places. In 400 cities, 500 theaters. Yeah. yeah. And they will get to see eight movies. That's right. And it's something like $30. Remarkable movies, remarkable mm -hmm. actors. And you did one at a price that your agent must have fainted no, dead away. No, no, no. Well, I've, uh, that's not unusual for me. I've done... I've, uh, uh, if it interests you, they don't need to pay you. It's a fascinating business anyway. It's very nice to be paid. But when you do thrilling material, it's like buying a piece of furniture that's really good. When you buy it, then it's great. You get enormous pleasure out of seeing it, and you never remember how much it costs. That's the one thing you really forget. 
I always never buy it. I always go the other way and regret it. I'm glad to... Yes, well, that's that stupid. But these... Uh, uh... Thank you. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, I've got the furniture. <laughs> I wish I'd met you years ago. I'd have done a lot of things yeah, right. Yeah, well, you'd have a lot of good furniture when you could get it for a small price. <laughs> I have to say, you can get these movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, they will be shown uh, four performances, two matinees and two evenings each month. Yeah. One picture, two pictures, three pictures, four pictures over a period of eight months. Yeah. One of those I'm in, so I hope you'll go and see that. And that's And called that's a delicate balance. Edward Albee's play. Edward Albee's play. And it's a play which ordinarily wouldn't be done. It's a part which ordinarily one would not get an opportunity to play, which is true of all the properties which Eli has collected. And I have the feeling that the American audience is not so stupid that they like constantly to be played down to mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, fed the same old junk uh, time after time, which is going further and further and further in what direction, nobody knows. But it is not necessarily the product of the brilliant writers in this country and other countries who are available and also of actors. Now, you can hire any actor for a brilliant part, for a little amount of money. But your agent... Well, anyone. Pays. I don't know. The agents yeah. even have finally come to that. And I do think that it is terribly important in our country to try to improve the, our product. Improve our product so that an audience uh, uh, can go and, and, and say, well, yes, I've seen his plays, I've seen her plays, I've seen this one's plays, and I've seen so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so in them. Mm -hmm. They're movie productions, they're brilliant directors, they're brilliant properties, they're wonderful parts, and they're thrilling. When I first heard they about it... They do make sense. Maybe that's a disadvantage today. I don't know. <laughs> when I first heard about it, I was afraid it was one of those things they always seem to experiment with, where they try to film a play on the stage. No, 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 no. Not dull. I mean, and like the Philadelphia story. I've done a million of them. Bill of Divorcement, right. Philadelphia story. I've done... Many, many plays. But you know what I mean, as if they set a camera out there and Yes, I think that play. can be dull, and uh, I think and, uh, it can be static, but uh, these not that. Uh, have not been done that way. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, to be interested, otherwise you and I have been wasting a lot of time because we've been sitting here talking. Now, either we're bores, because they can turn us off. True. But, but if we've been interesting, I don't really care whether I'm standing up or sitting down uh, uh, sure. in a scene. If the material is interesting enough for people to look at, mm -hmm. I really don't think I have to shoot you dead. Maybe Pete, I should, though. Keep me excited. <laughs> <laughs> to have it exciting. You're you know, here now. You don't have to... take my stuff. You, you know? don't have to do away... What is that? Is that a drug? Never you mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll reveal what it is some other But minute. they are very, very interesting products. I've worked for Eli through the years, so he and I are old friends. Yeah. And uh, he's done me a few favors. One of the reasons I felt I should do this and I don't know why. I couldn't think of any good reason not to appear on television, so now I've appeared on television. I've crossed that bridge. But Eli did something very kind to, to me, nothing to do with anything, but he did me a real favor. And I thought, how do you pay back a real favor? Pay back a real favor by doing yeah. a favor, you know? We have to take a pause. We will be right back after this pause. Stay with us. I guess I got a kind of kick when you said Jack Barrymore because it means you really knew him. And um, if I say Jack Barrymore, it sounds silly. Of course, I never even saw him. He was nice to you. He was absolutely sweet. Yeah. 
uh, as has been every actor I've ever met in my life. That's what I wondered about. A young <clears throat> girl coming to Hollywood it has to be a threat to the old heads out there, you know? And I wondered if they would really help you or if they would look like they were helping you but not give you their real secrets, like keep one eye this way or... Uh, well, you know. I think everybody has brains enough to be aware of the threat, shall we say. Sure. You know, and, uh, and yet people... Uh, now, for instance, in Art and Mrs. Bos Bottle, which was, uh, which, I, which was by Ben Levy, in which I was fired, and then they looked at every other Angenot in town and came back to me and rehired me, and I made them raise my pay 25 bucks a week. For putting Because they insulted me, you know, <laughs> hurt my dignity. Good for you. Uh, um, Jane Cowell must have known that the Angenot part was a million times better than the star part. She carried it, and I took it. Yeah. You know? And there was no uh, sabotage? No, she was uh, an absolute angel. Everybody said she waved her handkerchief, you know, and did a lot of things, uh, like you wiggling that white foot when I'm trying to be fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, she didn't, and she, uh, was a, she made me up. Yeah. It was terribly nice. I didn't used to wear any makeup, and Ben Levy didn't like my looks at all. He thought I was absolutely awful in this part. And uh, he said, my God, what does she do? Polish her face with yellow kitchen soap every morning. And she took me in, and she said he's used to English girls, you know, who present themselves in a softer way. So she tried to soften me up, but I got fired anyway. We've always heard stories about powerful leading ladies who said, get rid of that new kid. You're never, never, gonna, never. Never happened Never, never. Uh, Leslie Howard fired me. He said, get rid of that kid fast. What'd you do to him? I said, well, I didn't do anything to him, but I was an inch taller than he was. <laughs> <laughs> That's unforgivable. <laughs> Finally, yeah. I took off my shoes and sort of bent my knees, but uh, uh, I didn't know enough to support someone. Yeah. You see, I was out for myself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when a big star plays something, they want a little support. Just the way yeah. you and I now, we're vying each, with Le each other because you have the responsibility of coming back next week. Mm -hmm. And I'm bound I'm going to snag this week, you see, so <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, it's a question of sort of, uh, mind you, it's your business to present someone. Sure. But it's also uh, the, the business of a group of actors to sort of cater uh, to the central character, sure. as they very charmingly did in Coco. Yeah. You know what I mean, the setup. It's a setup. Are you telling me that if I'm smart, I'll keep quiet and not move? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> was Jack Barrymore funny? Was he a funny man well, to be around? Well, when, when uh, I can see I don't stick to the subject, you see, I'm oh, embroidery. Either do I. Uh, um, when I went out to California, I was on a train, and it took three or four days to get there in those days, and I went out on the back platform to look at the moon, and uh, I got a steel filing in one eye, which immediately became bright red and was, uh, uh, had a piece of filing embedded in the white of the eye. Now, I'm sort of blondy red, so my eyes are very, very sensitive, and they get red if you think red, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking red all the time. So this eye then went, and when I got off the train, I had a very fancy costume on, the first pancake hat, dead straight hair, two bloodshot eyes, and I thought the place was the queerest place I'd ever been in my life, you know. <laughs> so I went to George Cukor's office, who was directing, George Cukor was directing um, Bill of Divorcement. And uh, 
Jack Barrymore came to the office and he looked at me and he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, come out here with me, <clears throat> Catherine. So I went out into the hall and he said, you did a wonderful test. You're going to be a big star. And then he looked at me and he took me by the top of the arms and he said, I have that trouble too. And I said, Mr. Barrymore, I have something in my eye. He said, yes, yes, I know, honey. Just two drops of this and nobody will know a thing. <laughs> uh, did you ever convince him you weren't alive? <laughs> well, I don't know. We never discussed yeah. it again. We have to but take... I thought that was terribly funny. <laughs> That's nice. We have to take a message and then we'll be right back. Can you remember a time when you didn't want to be an actress? Or did, it, did it hit you over the head at an early age? Well, I wanted to be a doctor. And I, I wanted to be that. a surgeon, because my father was a surgeon. Yeah. And uh, then uh, uh, I didn't go to school. The, the, about five years before I went to Bryn Mawr, I tutored, because I liked to play golf. And uh, I would drive all around Hartford to various tutors, and I couldn't pass physics. And in those days, you had uh, Bryn Mawr would accept college boards plus extra points. Uh -huh. And I studied. I got about 55 in the physics exam. I was fair in the other things, because my mind was absolutely, I didn't know where I was. You know, I was just flying through the air from the time I was about 12. You were having think. a good time. Good, <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know what I was yeah. having, but I was having a <laughs> <laughs> bad, you know, just a super sort of yeah. charge. And um, I studied all summer long on physics and improved seven points and got a 62 and was let into Bryn Mawr. 60 was passing. 60 was passing yeah. in those days. Yeah. And uh, then I did my first year and I was really mediocre and I had never been with girls before mm -hmm. and I was absolutely petrified. And I can remember I was from a small town and I had a modest amount of money and I had really uh, been brought up pretty much with adults. Yeah. Because we had an interesting family, you know, and we'd sit around. I had an older brother who had died, and then myself. And I used to sit around with the family, and we, we um, I never spoke. You'd never gather that from the way I'm carrying on now. But you were the now quiet I got one? My chance. No, everybody was quiet because yeah. the really interesting people spoke. Yeah. And I didn't have anything to say that was considered too interesting, you know. I don't know why I picture the Hepburn dinner table in those days as being debates going on. Yes, and, yes, uh, I, think that, I think there was, but I think there were a hell of a lot of other people there yeah. at the same time, you know. Were you encouraged to argue with your parents? Talk yes, about? I think so, but not, not idiotically. On a you subject? See, yeah. uh, not idiotically, and I think a lot of the kids today are pompous to a degree because they don't listen yeah. at all. Yeah. Now, I think by the same token, I had the nerve to go out and do something on my own, but you've got to listen. And nobody listens. People are so anxious to talk. Yeah. I've yeah. only got a few more years left to talk in, so I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if you start talking yeah. at 14, yeah. then you can't be listening at 14, can you? That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's, time a, for it's, a fine, it's a fine line. And anyway, at Bryn Mawr, then in my uh, uh, sophomore year, uh, I had a burst appendix, or a, a very bad appendix that had to be operated on. And my marks went down. They didn't have to go down far. And the Helen Taft Manning, who was the um, dean, wrote that and said, I would advise you to take Kath out of college. I don't think it suits her. And Daddy wrote back and said, if I had a patient in the hospital who was ill and I didn't know what the matter was, I wouldn't send her home. <laughs> <laughs> so they kept me. Yeah. 
I, I wondered if you were a good student. And then, no, bad student, That's because right. I was so thrilled with life yeah. that I couldn't concentrate. And, and, and I find that now I can concentrate on, uh, uh, you know, certain things that interest me enormously, but I'm totally yeah. one track. Can you concentrate on things you should have concentrated on then? Can you now read a book that seemed boring then? Or can oh, you yes, now yes, study yes, physics with yes, a certain interest? Yes, or, yes, yeah. yes. I feel that way too. If, uh, if one can make the connection, you see, then it's enormously vivid to me. Yeah. And otherwise, I'm in a sort of a daze, but there's so much, you know, the world's so full of fascination. Yeah. Were you campused ever or given demerits? Were you one of those people who didn't like authority? I was, I was, yes, I was, uh, now what do they call it? Not fired, not expelled. The temporary thing. Um, Put on probation yes, or something like that? Yes, uh, for smoking. I and I didn't smoke. Oh. So I didn't know the rules about smoking. I wouldn't have thought of smoking. And somebody gave me a package of perfume cigarettes, and I thought, I wonder what these are like. And I sat in there smoking. And somebody came up to me and said, haven't you something to say? I know what they were talking about. Your first crime, you yeah, were caught. Oh, not my first crime. That was my second crime. Oh. Well, my, first crime, <laughs> my first crime was breaking into houses. You too? I love to break into yes, houses. Yes, absolutely fascinated me. I could get in anywhere. I the only time I nearly lost my life was dropping through a skylight. And I damn near dropped from the top of the roof. And it was a three-story house high down to the first floor. That was my first mistake. You didn't know it was but there I and you stepped that, No, I, was, I, was, I didn't see it clearly. Yeah. But they used to have icebox entrances, you know, for the ice man to put the ice through. That was a very vulnerable point. How recently was this? Well, this was when I was a child. It wasn't yesterday. Well, <laughs> 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 I was about 15. Yeah. And um, I had a friend, a girl, and uh, I used to dare do anything with her. She had great nerves. She'd just sort of do things. And I'd get excited, and I was the second-story man. I could climb anything, <laughs> you see, and get in yeah. and open the door. But she was the, uh, you know, the sort of head of the mafia. She was the real. She had nerve to burn. She'd do anything. Then she got a bow. Uh-oh. And the bow was a bad lot. And uh, the bow, we had a house we couldn't get into. So he joined us and said, well, break down the door. I said, you can't break down the door. That's destruction. He said, you want to get in? Break down the door if you can't get in any other way. Well, we let ourselves be persuaded. Of course, the neighbors next door in a house my sister now lives in heard this terrible noise. And we were using a big log and running against the back door. <laughs> Insanity. And we finally broke the thing down and went in and took a great big box of body powder with a, one of those feathered puffs mm -hmm. and threw it all around, went mad, and then left, all observed by the cook next door. So when I put on my bathing suit and nothing was said for a week, and I thought, boy, they haven't found out yet, but it's a mess, so they're going to see it. And all the other places were neat. They were back. I stole one thing in one of the places, oh. and then I put it back, because guilt overcame me. And that was a, a wooden crocodile that was about this long that I saw. We used to use this place as a sort of office, because it was easy to get into. Yeah. And it was a carved crocodile, and you screwed up the tail, and it cracked a nut. Cracked a nut. <laughs> and I thought it was thrilling, and I stole it. And then I couldn't think of anything but that foolish crocodile. Couldn't sleep. And I took it and put it back. But this boy, you see, had engaged us in a real crime. So finally I saw 
the sister of the owner of the house coming toward me as I walked down toward the pier for a Sunday swim. And she said, Kathy, haven't you something you'd like to tell me? And I looked at her and my heart sank. And I said, uh, no, I have nothing to tell you. And I ran out to the end of the pier and my, my friend was out on the raft and I dove in, swam over and I said, they've caught us, swim for shore. <laughs> then, of course, Dad had to pay the bill. And that was your first crime. That was it. Well, that was the first crime that was discovered, okay. yes. We're, we're, and I on. gave up crime. <laughs> More or less. More or less. We'll get to your later crimes after this uh, message. <laughs> I'm back talking to Catherine Hepburn, a promising actress who recently had a job with the American Film Theater. I keep thinking about you going alone to Hollywood at... But at what age? You're trying to pin me down. Approximately. Go on. Between what, between what and what? 1932. I mean, you, were, you were quite a young woman to be a cast into, young a, woman. into a sinful place like Hollywood. Um, did you have a protector? Um, a, I had a great friend, Laura Harding, who went with me yeah. to seek my fortune. Did your parents give you any advice like uh, don't accept rides from strangers no, no. or any no, of that no. stuff? No, no. No, My family never gave me any of that sort of advice. They weren't worried about what you might No, answer. they thought if I hadn't brains enough to handle myself, it was just too bad. Yeah. This, this may be an impossible kind of question, but I was just wondering why... I think my mother only just didn't want me to get married and wanted me to, you know, yeah. see what I was worth in the world. She was very active with Margaret Sanger in, yes, in birth control. Yes, was and also woman suffrage. And Dad was very, uh, uh, was one of the real starters of the social hygiene uh, movement in America, which was the fight against venereal disease. Yes. And, uh, uh, no, I, I think, my goodness, at that, at that age, no, it wouldn't even be a point of discussion. Mm -hmm. I think they were there to get me out of trouble if I was dumb enough to get into trouble, you know. But there was no weeping about your going away and... and no, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. But, well, I mean, they were all... The, the, I can't stress enough... Uh, 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 the, the, the strength it gives a kid to have someone interested and the strength it gives me to have someone interested. I've mm -hmm. got Phyllis who's interested and I've got my brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. but my mother and father were always there at tea time when I came back and what did you do? Where did you go? What happened then? But they neither of them ever came to Hollywood. They never butted in. It was just there to say, my gosh, you're fascinating. Aren't you wonderful, you know? Isn't it great what you're doing? And you always knew you had a bedroom back home if you wanted to come home and... Uh... Yes, and, and uh, the, the first week or two that I was in Hollywood, I got all my money in cash and I put it in the bureau drawer and I spent it all. And Dad said, where's the money? We'd better put it in the bank. And I said, it's gone. So he said, you better have them send it to me. So until the day he died, he took my money and sent me an allowance. Is that right? Right yeah. up to recent, yeah. right last up few to years. The, the, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, he died in 1962. Yeah. What were the traps for an actress in those days? Because a lot of people went under. And, uh, well, I think they went under. I was uh, a girl named, I played in a thing called The Warrior's Husband, and I made a big hit. On Broadway? Yes. And um, uh, the play itself was so-so, and it was bad times, 32. And I had had a lot of movie offers, because I was lucky enough to photograph quite well. And in the big pond that I told you I was kicked out of, my pictures came to New York with the big pond. And I had been playing a leading part 
so that I was seen by all the New York producers who saw shows in, and a lot of the move, heads of the movie companies here who saw shows in Great Neck. And I played it one night, was bounced. But, uh, uh, so I had the attention of a lot of important people. You mean photographs of you came to photographs New York? Photographs of me oh, came oh, to yeah. New York. Yeah. And they were charming. I'll send you some. They were hilarious, mm -hmm. but they were okay, you know. Could, before we go on, who, who was it who referred to your cheekbones as the greatest calcium deposits this side of Dover? Uh, did, has, don't tell me I'm telling you that for the first time. I never heard it. Well, I... I, 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 I heard Dorothy there, Parker said, let's go to the Martin Beck Theater. This was in the lake. And see Kate Eppen run the gamut, G-A-M-U-T-T-T-T-T, -T 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 -T, of emotion <laughs> from A to B. <laughs> I know. That, <laughs> that one, I heard. One of the great put-downs of all time. How did you have the nerve to go on the next night, or did you ignore that? I hardly did. That was the most petrifying experience I ever had. Now, that was interesting, because I had done four pictures in one year in Hollywood, and they said, Dooza Bernhardt, this wonderful, beautiful young thing who's in our midst, you know, and I could do no wrong. I'd won the Academy Award. Right. And I, I had sent them a wire through my agent, Leland Haywood, to say that I didn't believe in awards and that I, you know, I really didn't feel that I should compete some pompous asinine thing, you know. Mm. <laughs> and and, and uh, <laughs> he just put the wire in his pocket and said, thank you very much, that I was deeply honored. So there I was. He just changed the wire because yeah. he thought it was childish. You never, let's see, have you ever picked up an Oscar in no, person? No, Too gutless. Won't go. Well, too gutless. No. Just. You don't scorn the award. No, I'm afraid I wouldn't win it. It must be that. <laughs> Couldn't yes, be that, anything else. The thought of Or that I have no dress. <laughs> there are rumors that you have no dress. Well, I have no dress. But I know you do because I've seen no, you. No, I home. have no dress. And it's my father said about <laughs> his children, he said, my children are very shy. Mm -hmm. uh, they, when they go to a party, and this would include that, they're afraid they're going to be neither the bride nor the corpse. <laughs> I think you should do a book of your father's quote. My quotes. father and mother's quote. Oh, I'm, when we come back, I'm going to bring you back to the traps for a young girl in Hollywood in those days. We have a message, and we'll be right back. No traps for me. I guess what I was trying to, trying to ask there was uh, why you held body and soul together in Hollywood where so many ended up tragically. Well, I think and, I was uh, on a firm foundation. Yeah. And, and uh, 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 you know, what goes in has to come out. Where people, you cannot have it all. You see, I mean, then if you achieve success, uh, uh, you have to maintain it. If you fail, then you have to try to succeed. And mm -hmm. you certainly can never be helped by liquor, and you never can be helped by dope. You just can't be. And if you haven't got health, uh, uh, I don't care what profession you're in. I mean, all of us just think, think of your mm -hmm. own profession. And if you're wandering around in a stupor, and have five minutes where you feel fascinating and you're a bore to the man who's sober. I don't see the point in that, you know? I mean, you have to, here we are, we're given this. Now, here I am, and I've been here quite a long time. You're too young to, to uh, look at yourself and say, well, the feet have a few more steps in them. One leg's a bit shaky, you know? I keep bumping myself, I don't know what that means. I need glasses now to see. Certain things have maintained themselves. My teeth are pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I can still hear. I can see pretty well. 
and I still seem to have a wild amount of energy. It shakes the boat a bit once in a while, <laughs> but I can still go on. Now, I've maintained that machine as well as I could possibly maintain it. And I tried, deliberately this was, in the beginning, I said, don't get spoiled. Don't uh, dress up, don't get an expensive car, don't get a lot of fancy habits that you can't maintain if you flop, because the contrast then you're gonna have to carry. You kept it simple, like well, your I wardrobe. It, I kept it, uh, yeah, well, the wardrobe is a self-indulgence, isn't it? That everybody's been smart enough to copy, but <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. a self-indulgence, because yeah. it is comfortable and it's nice to be comfortable. I'm clean, I try to be clean. You look clean. Well, it's all washable, washable, wash, drip dry. You don't smoke? I don't smoke now. I did smoke. Yeah, I remember you smoked I was a heavy pictures. smoker. No, yes. That's what started me being a smoker. I mm. never smoked before. I smoked in one picture, became an absolute uh, chain smoker overnight. Loved how, it. Loved how, it. How does that fit in with your health theories? Uh, uh, well, I was younger then. Maybe I didn't have so many health theories. Yeah. You see? Then I, you begin to get health theories when you realize it could go bad. But I maintained, I had to maintain my vitality. Because mm -hmm. I hate the feeling of being kind of ha doing half as well as I can do. I love, I mean, perfection is thrilling, and you practically never achieve it. I mean, I can look back on my career now and say, well, lucky, 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 pretty good, not bad, you know, moments yeah. of really, real interest. How'd you quit smoking? I just stopped. You said a day? I, no, 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 I didn't set any day. I began to realize in the first place, when I was a kid and smoked, and I started to play tennis in California, and I was a real tennis addict, I noticed that I couldn't really keep it up, you know. And if I w didn't smoke at all during the day, I could play six, seven hours, and it didn't bother me at all. And we used to play all Sunday. I was a golfer by trade, because I was a trained golfer, and I was pretty good when I was about 14. Yeah. But then in California, uh, they didn't allow ladies on the court. On the, on the course on Sunday, and I used to belong to a thing called Bel Air, and I'd go on Sunday anyway and say, throw me off, you know, it's my only free day. So they'd let me play. You defied uh, them to throw I you off. I defied them, and then, then I thought, well, this takes too long, so I turned to tennis, and uh, I love tennis. Yeah. I think it's a great game. You can just, you know, play yourself into exhaustion. I've seen you I play. find this fascinating. Yes, not very good. You don't know this, but I saw you play. There's a hotel that you play behind. Yes, I that's right. I won't reveal which the one Bel -Air. it is. No, I mean yeah. the Beverly Hills. Be that's right. Yes, I, for a thousand years. I watched you for a long time. Yeah. So. I've I, improved. Well, you were good enough that day, and I came by and I noticed your car was sitting No, there. I'm not good, and I'll tell you how you know when you're good and when you're not good. You're a little choppy. Uh, a little. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, the terrible thing is, in sports, people will, people will look at me along the street and everything and, oh, you're so fascinating, but they'll look at you on the tennis court for about two seconds and they'll say, oh, she can't play. <laughs> and they leave. Right. It's absolutely fascinating. And they feel a lot and better. And withering. They feel, withering. A, they feel a lot better. But it's a, a sensational game. No, I but I noticed fun. that I didn't last then, and then when I began to play Shakespeare, I noticed that I didn't have the what it takes. Oh, I didn't have it. I couldn't last. And if anybody, if I, I was taking care of anybody and I had to really last and maybe be up all night and not get any sleep, I noticed that if I took no liquor and no cigarettes, I could get two hours sleep and be absolutely wake up fresh and be alive. 
So I think it smothers you. Now, no. I don't think it smothers everybody. I don't press this, but millions of people are trying to quit and probably would love to know how you did. Did you have the pain? No, yes, no, I, cu I cut it out. I never smoked before breakfast in my life. Mm -hmm. And I cut it out. First, I cut out the cigarette after breakfast. Mm -hmm. Then I cut out the cigarette after lunch. Then I cut out until tea time. Then I cut out until after dinner. Then when I was playing a heavy part, I cut out until after the show. But the minute I started, it's like a box of candy. I couldn't stop. It was absolute dope fiend. Yeah. Smoke, 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 smoke. Couldn't stop. I had to go to bed. Couldn't even, I'd look at you and I'd yeah. think, oh, bore, 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 I want to smoke. You and uh, that, and then I just uh, stopped. I thought, this is so asinine. But it did begin to affect me. Mm -hmm. Now, I smoked uh, when I was with people. So I did all the difficult parts I cut out. On an interview, I would smoke. I cut that out. Any place you needed it Any place that I needed it most, I cut it out. Yeah. yeah. And then I just stopped. Let's hope you've helped some people with that. We have a message. We'll be right back. Ms. Hepburn, uh, are, are there secrets of screen acting? We were talking about that earlier. When your niece made a film, for example, uh, uh, are there mysterious little things you can say, like uh, keep your downstage eye away from the no, camera no, 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 at all no. times? Or, you no. Know, I don't think so. I think just concentration, yeah. like any, anything else. Tron concentration and truth. And Spencer was the great artist of that. His concentration was pure. My concentration was very conscious of an audience for a long, yeah. long, long, long time. Did he criticize and you on that? No, he didn't mention it. But I mean, I was uh, aware of a certain sort of cheapness in, in uh, what I did, uh, because my concentration was not anywhere near as good as his. By that, do you mean the people he around and you? Lorette the Taylor, the, the, uh, I think, had the greatest. They were remarkable, yeah. both Irish, and a remarkable capacity yeah. to concentrate. I heard an actor who played a scene with Tracy once say it was his first film, this mm. actor's, and he said, when the camera started rolling, I went blank because when Tracy spoke, I thought he was still talking to me. Yes, well, I think that's true of a lot of people. I didn't know there he was, was acting. a funny, funny story when Spencer was doing um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And I, I don't think Sidney Poitier would mind my telling this story. But Sidney and I had already done a scene together, several scenes, and Sidney wasn't in the least nervous. Yeah. Uh, and we were both excited, but not, you know, anything. Then he had to go in and ask for the girl's hand in marriage. And Spencer was sitting at his desk, and I was sitting on a bookcase, sort of about as high as this thing, in back of him. And uh, Sidney came in, and he was a tremendous fan of Spencer's, as most actors were a tremendous, you know, they really knew that he knew what he was doing. And mm -hmm. everybody, you had a lot to learn. I learned a tremendous amount from them. And that is to use the protection of concentration, to just do it, you know. Don't, don't embroider it, do it. Well, Sidney came on, and he looked at Spencer, and Spencer was just looking at him, and he went higher than a kite. Just from that And then uh, he came on, and he did, finally did about 15 times, and he could not. Now, he has a brilliant memory, so yeah. this was just... So finally, Stanley Kramer said, well, we'll do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, I called Spencer, and I said, can I pick you up? And he said, well, you're a bit early, aren't you? And I said, well, it's the first scene. They're going to redo the thing. And I think... He said, I think Sidney would be a little happier without those two old owls looking at him. <laughs> and I said, well, I think you're, you're, 
wrong. So I said, I'm going down. So I went down, but Spence was usually right about things. So I sent in a note to Stanley Kramer at five minutes to nine saying, I'm ready and I'm here. Do you wish me to come on the stage or stay in the building? And he wrote back quickly, stay away. He did. <laughs> oh, <So> yes. <laughs> so, your so instinct was he right. got over that yeah. first because they were doing a big head close-up of him. Yeah. And I know just how he felt. It's agony. Yeah. If you work with someone whom you think is the real master at something. Yeah. And they're watching you over and the, here. And the purity of that concentration mm -hmm. because if the material is wonderful. And I, I learned this playing certain scenes in Shakespeare, that if I could really and truly concentrate, mm -hmm. and if I could really speak English, and with truth, uh, mind truth and heart's truth, hand a scene to an audience, that if they were concentrating, they would just take it. And I wasn't doing a lot of fancy stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think really, it's, a, it's, it's like any other form of art, truly. To me, the kind of thing that I like is unembroidered yeah. and has heart's truth so that it strikes right through and you say, oh, I understand what you mean. And you can apply it mm -hmm. to different, uh, which is why we like the theater, that you can take it from the actors and get something out of it. You can understand it. And the minute you hit for a long time, I was too egotistical, I suppose, and too frightened to accept the fact that the audience, after all these years, had given me this, and they'd given me their friendship, mm -hmm. their undiluted, just friendship. We like you. You're nice, you know? And this was uh, occasionally, uh, in, not until Coco, not until Coco did I really understand. I thought they were my natural enemy and waiting for me to fall down or break my neck or be a flop. Sure. And I think that's what we all think. Don't let them trip you up, you know, get there, do it. I don't think that's true. It certainly hasn't been true with me from the time of that little girl. They've meant well. They've tried to help me. Yeah. They've yeah. tried to help me. And they, they, uh, they, uh, they are now, of course, um, I say I'm like an old ash can. <laughs> <laughs> you pass it every day. You're very grateful to it, you yeah, know. It, and they remove it and you say, we didn't want a new ash can. That's perfectly good, that old thing. We'll take that. <laughs> that. That concentration you talked about, though, it seemed that Tracy had it more than almost anybody. Just, I don't think you can find a false moment in his it was career the on the screen. It was the truth. Yeah. How and, did he learn and, that? And, uh, uh, I think he just did it. I think he found life extremely difficult as most of the Irish do, you know, they're enormously imaginative. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, he spoke with his heart. Yeah. And he spoke uh, uh, with, uh, with tremendous simplicity. You know, he played villains. Bogey played, uh, Bogey played uh, mother's darling with the briefcase and going home to mama and giving her his salary check. And Spencer played villains. And, to uh, yes, no, yes, truth, the truth. It's turned uh, around. Uh, uh, yes, the the um, picture that he did with uh, Jack Ford. Uh, Jack Ford gave Spencer his first job. Jack Ford died on Friday, and uh, I didn't know that. Yes, he died. Moment. He died after his, uh, you know, his. Uh, he realize. and Bogey just died like gentlemen, you know, with great courage and yeah. great distinction. And he was a remarkable man. And he came and he saw Spencer. And Spencer had been tested by everyone in his uncle. Mm -hmm. So 
they, uh, he said, my God, they said, you can't take him. He's a great actor, but his ears stick out, his nose is too big, and he's just, you can't photograph him. And Ford said, well, I can look at him. Why can't I photograph him? And they say, well, you put a makeup on him, and he's absolutely hopeless. And they said, well, why put the makeup on? He had an answer for so, all this. So he didn't, Spencer wasn't wearing makeup on the stage. And a man named Chester Erskine, who had produced The Last Mile, which Ford saw Spencer in, didn't have any of the actors wearing makeup. So Spencer never wore makeup. Sometimes the simplest answer is the best. That's, yeah. That's, I see that in and you. And then he said to Larry once, because their method was totally different. And I think Larry Olivier, yeah. each one brilliant. And Spencer said to Larry, who do you think they're going to think you are, Larry? <laughs> you know, and this was a really, no. this was two different meaning theories. That, meaning they'll know you're a lady. Well, I mean, no they're going to know who you are. Yeah. Look <laughs> who do you think you they'll think that you that nose, do anything you want to, you know. <laughs> but yeah. it was two brilliant performances. It was the whole range of what an actor can do and yeah. be. And you have to find the thing that suits you, I think. And then as an audience, you find the thing that you can connect with. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, uh, you can connect with someone who's familiar to you, can't you? If they're totally different, you really don't. Yeah. But if you feel, oh, uh, that might be me. And I think the reason people have an affection for me now is that in a kind of a way, I must have lived a life that a lot of women uh, think would be a nice mm -hmm. life to have lived. Yes. They think it's dignified, but they think it's free. And they think it's, uh, I've done what I wanted to. They don't bother to think that they may have five children that I haven't. I had brains enough to know you can't have it all because yeah. I was brought up in a very happy family and I thought if my concentration is going to be in the theater and is a business career, I cannot have any children because I was brought up mm -hmm. when mother was there. As I said, telling me how wonderful I was. You didn't want to be an And I was telling her how wonderful I was too. <laughs> it's a different temperament. Oh, I hope you can stay the rest of the week. We'll be right back after <laughs> this message. Should I uh, envy people who had brothers and sisters? I always yes, do. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Envy them. I do. I, I'm sorry in a way that I was... My brother told me not to appear on this show. He said they'll find out that you're a boar. <laughs> he said they think you're great. Don't expose yourself. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Because he I... said you really have some awfully silly ideas. And it's worth it all, those, all that turmoil when you go that you go through as a kid. And you know what he calls mom talk? What? Excuse me. No. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> said, where does he live? Doesn't he live at Talk Talk? So talk <laughs> Talk? Talk Talk. <laughs> I think I, Talk Talk I, is I'm rather, rather offended by that. <laughs> but I, no, I guess as a kid, I always sort of liked the idea of um, kids having to compete with their brothers and sisters and being able to compare notes on how you feel about your parents and that sort of stuff. Keeps you very realistic. Yeah, I think it would. Yes. Makes you a little tougher, I'd think, than it would if you don't have that. But, uh, Well, they're I don't apt know. not to think you're too thrilling. Yeah. They're sweet, but, I mean, uh, uh, They, they cut you down to size? No, no, yeah, I think so. I mean, you're one of a group. Yeah. You're one of a group, so that, uh, you don't go away from that. Yeah. You know, you remain the sister. In, in this, in my instance, I remain the older sister, I, re I remain Aunt Cat to Aunt practically Cat. all of them, yeah. Because yeah. I was sort of a loner, so I was Aunt Cat. To, okay. Even to my, to my sisters, yeah. not to my brothers, but to my sisters, who are like my daughters. I'm the, a missing link. 
<laughs> I am. I don't belong anywhere. I'm like my yeah. father and mother's, uh, uh, I don't know what, the extra one, yeah. you know. But I wasn't a child. I was, it was a funny arrangement. Are you considered the oddball of the family? No, no, no. They're all much odder than I am. <laughs> <laughs> They're arresting one of them right now. Did you hear that? Terrific. That's one of the things we deal with in this theater. We got the firehouse across the street. Wonderful consideration for the performer. There's only going to be one what track. What are you looking at? I'm just what? waiting. To, I'm waiting for the siren to stop. Oh, is the fire, ambulance coming for me? <laughs> I thought you had oh, a, the hearse. I don't know. I thought you had a limousine. So. <laughs> you drive yourself. Don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, I've seen you on the highway. Well, I'm on the highway, but I love to drive in New York City. Yeah. Great uh, place to drive. It's another challenge. Well, it is, yes. Gee, this is, I hate to say this, but uh, we've come to the end of the uh, time we have tonight. You and, mean uh, I'm finished? I can go. Well, I, I hate Thanks to. Thanks very much. Uh, I've had a lovely time. Bye-bye. <laughs> but I, can't you uh, wait till I say goodnight? No, you say goodnight. Goodnight. <laughs> I, uh, I can tell you this, she will be back tomorrow night. Join us. Good night. <laughs>